welcome back to the pew everybody i am your host john edwards and i am so excited for this show this week uh, i have a very special friend of mine in town uh, if you, as many of you have heard over the last few weeks and the months i've been talking about how we were bringing this healing the whole person conference to memphis which is put on by the john paul ii healing center and I have just a great, great uh, honor today have, to have Dr. Bob Schutz, a very good friend of mine, in studio with us today. We're going to start the conference off tonight, and it's going to be a powerful experience. And Dr. Bob took time out of his schedule uh, to be here to join me. Uh, as I said, he is the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center, the author of many books, including Be Healed, Be Transformed, Be Restored. Uh, what is the marriage one? Be Devoted. Yeah, sorry, I should know that. Uh, but I, I'm super excited to have him here and to, to bring him on right now. So, Dr. Bob, thank you so much for being here, for taking the time to do this with me. Thank you, John. It's good to be here with you. Uh, yeah. The last time we did this was uh, probably in COVID, right? And yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It, it was uh, my house to your house. So. Yeah, it was online. And at that time, uh, people probably didn't know this, but I had like a, a, a stand with a curtain holder <laughs> to hide the bed in my corner of my bedroom. And now here we are with this. Yeah studio god's Beautiful done some studio. amazing things yeah. so yeah. so I'm, I'm just so glad to have you here and i know, you know there's so much going on we've got about what seven eight hundred people going to show up tonight for this deal and uh here in the diocese of memphis and i know the lord's really going to move people um and so for you to take the time to come and join us is a real pleasure and honor and yeah. uh, you know right. i told you that often ever since i met you um and you've helped me go through some of my own personal wounds and and things I've just uh, healing I've been drawn to it and felt a connection to it uh, and almost as if there was this hidden secret uh, almost a Fort Knox that so many people just don't know about um, mm. you know that what the Lord wants us to do we kind of have the image of Jesus is just go to church and do your things and and go home and we don't really see him as the divine physician that you so often talk to him about so uh, I know for me, when when I felt the the healing graces of the Lord through conversations with you, um, I immediately thought, man, how many guys in our audience that are struggling with porn, that are struggling with uh, wounds and, and anger and unforgiveness and all these things would benefit from knowing more about this. And that's why it's such a grace to get to know you and uh, to 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 sit at your feet, honestly, to be to be ministered to by you and to learn from you because I know it can help a lot of people. Yeah, well, thank you. And I don't know if you've announced to your uh, <laughs> your community, but you're going to be doing a men's ministry with us. Yeah, I have not year. made that public on here yet, but please yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were on uh, that virtual conference together, mm-hmm. and I got to hear your story. And then as we've gotten to develop friendship, and we've been praying about a men's ministry, and I know your heart for men and how many – things you're doing around the country with man and then paul george yeah who's been on our board for years and uh so the two of you together it's going to be yeah exciting i'm really excited about it next next july yeah i am too i mean it was an honor when you asked me that i was like you sure you got the right guy but yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was really special in cleveland you, you, you called me over to the rectory and we talked about it yeah. and I'm, I'm super excited for that for for those of you who don't know bob and the jp2 center puts on they put on different conferences uh throughout the year the main one is healing the whole person which is for anybody uh, to go to Sister Miriam James Highland and and Bob and and Kim and his brother Bart, uh, kind of host that, and then they have an Undone conference, which Bob's daughter Carrie and uh, some other ladies that she's acquainted with and friends with put on, uh, and then there's Unveiled, which is a marriage uh, conference weekend, 
and then holy desires for priests and things like that. So they do a lot of things there for for many people. But you wanted to have sort of a companion to the yeah we women. We had a men's conference years ago, and then we just got so uh, stretched that we let it go for a couple of weeks. And so we kept looking at how can we do a men's conference again, and who who is who's going to do that? Yeah. Well, it's harder, right, to get men into a place of healing they kind of just like no i'm yeah, fine yeah right? we're, we're kind of predispositioned in that way of i don't need anything you know your finger can be hanging off by a thread <laughs> but i'm fine no, i'll just put some dirt on it and that's all that's all our training right it, yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah go out in the backyard and your older brother or friends say don't cry if you get hurt you know you just yeah. keep going keep going and you know you get the coaches telling you don't Limp it off, you know, walk it off. Walk yeah. Whatever your dad tells you. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where you, you helped me a lot. Was That was yeah. how I was raised. It was just yeah. sort of you put your head down, no complaining, yeah. you know, no feelings, no emotions. And then we wonder why so many men wind up in vices and addictions and uh, just, you know, going off the beaten path in the wrong way. Um, because you're going to have to deal with those things one way or another. You either deal with it in a healthy way, which you're helping people do. Or you're gonna, it's gonna be distorted in, in, through different things, and so, you know, that's something that a lot of guys have have written in about. And one reason I wanted to have you on too to talk about this some was, you know, as I, I always think of the verse that Saint Paul, and I, I don't, my Baptist Sunday school teacher would be very disappointed in me right now. I can't remember the actual scripture, uh, you know, connotation, but uh, he basically says, "I do not do the things I want to do. I do the evil I do not want to do." And every time I read that, it just, it's like, is he in my head? Yeah. You know, because it, 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 it makes Paul so real to me. Yeah. You know, because it, he's not this guy that just had it easy. You know, I mean, you had to think the devil was beating on him every yeah. day about murdering Christians and all yeah. those things. And then here he is saying, like, I want to be better, but I struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the human condition, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's like because of what happened in the fall, Every single one of us struggles in that same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know my wife has passed away six years ago, but I knew in my marriage every day I woke up and I said, I want to love her the way I know Jesus loves me. Yeah. And what keeps me in the way? And, you know, we were talking before about us as men and the way we were trained. Mm-hmm. Well, women don't have that same kind of training. They're much more sensitive to their hearts. And so as men, when we say to our wives, we'll just get over it, Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, don't worry about it, you know, or you said you forgave me. Why are you still holding on to that? It's because we haven't looked inside of our own hearts in that way mm-hmm. to address the things that are going on with us to know that we can't, we didn't really get over it either. Yeah. You know, we're carrying it with us. And that's the, whatever we carry with us, whether it's the shame from our sins or it's the, the wounds that we've experienced in our life, that blocks our ability to love. And the people around us are the people that feel that the most. Mm. Yeah, that's something. I mean, and Angela's in here on the other side of the cameras as she always is so graciously. And that was one of the biggest regrets I had was not being able to deal, not understanding why I was acting out the way I was. And as bad as it was to me personally, physically, and everything else, the choices I made, they were just, I was not a good person. You know, to my wife, to my children, a lot of the time, never, never physically violent, but certainly verbally, and a lot of times that's that can last a lot longer than a than a physical wound. 
Yeah. You know, and, and so, uh, you know, I'm very lucky to have married an angel, uh, appropriately named Angela. Named, named yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, you're right. And, and I look back and there has been so many times I've said to Angela, just, just get over it, like figure it out, do those things. And I never really thought that the differences in how men and women are raised and brought up and the sort of yeah, one of the disposition they have. really sobering discoveries I had when I was marriage counseling and I would, I would work with these couples and I would hear the things coming out of the mouth of the husbands towards the wife, the same things we were working on in his wounds with his father. Oh, wow. And it was just like, this is scary. you know. And I had to start looking at my own life in that way. It's like, what are the wounds that I've taken in that now I'm passing on to my wife, to my children, to the people around me? It's, it's just like, if we don't deal with those, we're not even aware Mm-hmm. You know, we're not even aware of the impact of our incapacity to love. Yeah, uh, in the way that those wounds have blocked it. And wounded people wound people. I mean, yep. that's the thing. I, I you know, uh, I, I often hear sometimes, and and I, you know, I always I mention my father. I love my father. He still wears a cape yeah. in my eyes, right? Yeah. And we're all imperfect, and and have you know, he wasn't given things that he wasn't able to give me. Yeah. And, uh, and, but there are times where one of my children will do something that's non, you know, not a big deal. And, and I'd fly off the handle and, and I would hear something come out of my mouth that I swore I would never yeah. do because it was done to me. Yeah. Right. Like I'll never talk to my son that way. I'll never check. And it was all out of, you know, woundedness for my father. And, and, you know, he worked a lot and all that frustration, all that stuff. But like, I just, I feel so horrible. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, I told myself I would never do that. And I know there's so many men, they're in the same place that why do I continue to do the things I do not want to do, as St. Paul says? So yeah. why is that? Like, let's dive into a little bit of that, where yeah. it comes from. Yeah, one of the things we talk a lot about in the ministry and the healing the whole person that we're about to do this weekend is there's the wounds that we experience, mm-hmm. and then there's the beliefs that are formed around those wounds the beliefs about ourselves and then the beliefs about the people that hurt us, which are judgments Mm -hmm. and then the vow. So you take what you just described, Mm -hmm. right? And you've made a vow that I'm not going to do. And I made similar vows. I'm not going to do to my children, to my wife, what my father did or Mm -hmm. my mother, whatever. Sure. And yet when we do something like that, because we still haven't healed the wound, then the judgment we had towards them, and this is also in the scripture, judge not, you will not be judged, condemn not, you will not be condemned. Mm-hmm. The measure that you use will be measured back to you, mm-hmm. right? And so we've made a judgment. We're not even conscious of that judgment because we made a vow that we're going to be different than that. Yeah. We do anything similar to that, and the judgment we had towards the person who hurt us comes back against us a hundredfold. And so now, rather than deal with the hurt that we've caused, we're all self-centered again, right? Because that self-condemnation is another form of pride. So we're wounding ourselves over and over and over again. And we haven't dealt with the place that our own hearts are are struggling. And, and, you know, one of the things we we talked about, we met yesterday with a priest and you were there. Sure. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that, they do professionally, but I also have a hard time receiving themselves is God's perfect mercy. You know, it's mm. like it's only love that heals us. And so when we start to condemn ourselves or condemn the people around us, there's no healing that happens. Yeah. Right? It just further wounds. 
and it's and it's the love of Jesus. It's the love of the Father, being able to see us beyond our wounds, beyond our sins, that heals us. And to do that, we we need to really address the wounds that are there, and the way that we have taken that into our identity, the way we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend of mine that actually has a you know it used to be popular when you were a kid to have like a little portrait of yourself or one of those pictures of you as a little boy or something yeah. in, in your Sunday best. Yeah. He keeps that by his prayer station, yeah. and he does that. Like at first, I thought it was weird. I was like, "Why yeah. do you have a picture of yourself where you're yeah. praying?" And he said, "Because it reminds me that's how God sees me." Yeah, you know. And I went, "Okay, that's pretty powerful." Yeah. You know, and and because uh, at first I thought that's a little narcissistic, but <laughs> and he told me, yeah. and uh, and I got it and said, "Wow, that's that's amazing." And you, know, you mentioned the mercy of God. Obviously, you're talking about with priests being poured out through confession and yeah. reconciliation and. You know, I think that's something that that men mention a lot is I continue to go back and, and confess the same things. Uh, and then there's the frustration that comes and, and men stop going to confession yeah. because I'm tired of telling this priest who says he doesn't remember, but he has to remember by now because I've been yeah. there 40 times yeah. saying I'm you know, struggling with impurity of self and things like that. But you're confessing the symptom is basically what you're getting at, not the root cause. Yeah, and even even if somebody's confessing the same thing over and over and over and over again. There's healing that's happening mm-hmm. because somebody else, you're having to look at somebody else yeah, and you're having to go through the shame that you feel mm-hmm. and you're receiving somebody's attention, somebody's love, somebody's compassion and God's forgiveness mm-hmm. all at the same time. And so even if it doesn't penetrate to the deeper places, there's there's... It's like you're chipping off limbs of the tree, yeah. Uh, even though that's or taking apples off, as my good friend Father Mark talks about. Toops. Father Mark yeah. Toops, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, ultimately we got to get down to the roots, which is where is this coming from in my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things we talked about yesterday is uh, every every sin is hungering for something, mm-hmm. right? And it's running away from something, mm-hmm. right? We're running away from our wounds, but we're hungering for the thing that we didn't receive in the place where we, we experienced the wounds. Yeah. Yeah, you also you see that a lot in, in the sexual uh, acting out. Is, yep. You know, people will always say, I feel so disgusted by myself. I'm yep. uh, impure with myself all the time. I'm watching these, you know, not only just pornography, but certain forms of pornography, things like that. And, um, and they start to, they don't realize why they're doing it. And at the, at the center of that is a good desire, a holy desire, as you say, I want to be loved. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things we talk about is behind every disordered desire is a holy desire. Mm-hmm. And it's a desire for love. And so one of the things I learned as I was working with people over the years is to really listen to what they're watching and what they're in its heart because they're it's the thing that's most shameful. Mm-hmm. But if you can explore what's being watched or what's being looked at or what's being desired, you can hear from that both the unmet needs and the unhealed wounds that are behind it, mm-hmm. right? It, the the thing that's being looked at is always a hunger for something that wasn't. Sure. And it you'll never get it that way. That's that's the futility of it, and it does a lot of damage to to the person and to the people around. But if you listen to the to the desire to the hunger, it'll lead you to where the healing needs to be. Yeah. And and that's a you know another thing I think that struggles especially for men 
Uh, one, we don't think we need it. You know, like I said, muscle your way through white knuckle the steering wheel right. of your life and power through. And yeah. but you continue to find yourself in that same rut in the same place. And yeah, and and yeah. I think with men, you get to the point where it, it's it hurts. Like healing isn't just this. You know, somebody rubs some balm on you and you feel better. I mean, it hurts. Right. So you, right. I've been on the phone with you several times in tears. You know, when you've helped me work through things and. But it's it's through that having to kind of go back through whatever trauma or whatever moment it was where you meet Jesus and the joy comes after you start to realize that oh, this is it. You know, I just I've had so many breakthroughs in those things where I've gone, Oh my gosh, like I didn't realize I acted this way because some kid embarrassed me on the playground in third grade. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's not an excuse, it's just an awareness. Yeah. It's just like and and it's the Holy Spirit leading us there, right? And it's the Holy Spirit saying, "Okay, here is where the wound is mm-hmm. that you may not even been aware of." Sure. And this is how you started acting out of that wound mm-hmm. to survive, to protect yourself, to to grasp for the thing that you weren't getting, and which is where the sin came from. Sure. And as you come back to that place, and again, only the Holy Spirit can really bring us to those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in those places that there is hurt. It's not that we're going back and searching for hurt. There's already hurt there. Sure. And it's the hurt that we ran away from. Mm-hmm. And so in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you go back to that hurt. And, you know, when we say we invite Jesus, Jesus is already there. But we, we ask the Holy Spirit to show us, reveal to us where Jesus is in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful, as you've experienced. It's just yeah. so powerful. It's like it's surprising. You know it's not your imagination. Yeah. It's like he does things and he reveals things that you couldn't, no matter how hard you try, you couldn't fix yourself in that place. Yeah, and I, I remember being on the phone with you and and it just, you were, where's Jesus? And I, I almost told you three times, Bob, I'm sorry for wasting your time. I got to go. <laughs> you know, because I couldn't, I just, I felt like I was going to make something up or, you know, he's in the tree or, you know, something like <laughs> right. that. And then right as I was about to, to, to tell you that, like there he was, he appeared, and it was just super powerful. And what he did getting between my father and I in that truck and basically saying to me the things that I'd always wanted to hear from my father. And it, it was it was really, really powerful, and it shows you this side of Jesus. You know, we oftentimes put him on a pedestal. We put him away where uh, he should be as Lord, but, like, like yeah. he wants to come near. Yeah, that's very personal. And the, how you know it's him is not only – by the surprise of I couldn't have done this. Yeah. But secondly, by the fruit. I mean, there's something that changes after that. Mm-hmm. Like, there may be a place where you want to forgive the person who hurt you, and you really can't at the deepest level of your heart until that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are places where you've been acting out of that pain for times, and all of a sudden you have a freedom that you didn't have before. Yeah. Uh, or a place where your heart was closed off, and now it's open and receptive, and now you can love from that place and receive love. Yeah, and, and the, the the joy and the beauty that comes from the healing is like, it's almost like you've been living in hell yeah. for a long time. And then one day, and, and look, healing's not instantaneous for any of us. It's no. a journey. You know that better than anybody. Yeah. You've worked with people for multiple, multiple years on one thing, you know, um, that you, you've shared in your books and stuff. But, you know, once you get through that point where you do have that breakthrough, it's like you have new eyes to see. It's like like when Jesus removes the scales yep. from the blind man's eyes. It's yeah. it's you're going. Oh my gosh! There's actually I feel joy. I feel happiness. I feel 
stuff I haven't felt in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so powerful. And, and it, it's so contrary to, again, what, what men believe. It's like, no, if I just, if I push hard enough, if I try hard enough, if I achieve enough, then I'll find this, this mythical happiness I'm looking for. Yeah. And the verse that you share a lot that actually you've encouraged me to write a book, and that's the title I want to have for it is Power Me Perfect. Is that's what St. Paul is trying to get across to us in Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine, is yeah. when he's saying like, no, "Remove this," and God says, "No, my grace is sufficient for you." Like you need to realize humility, and it's made perfect in your weakness, and that we yeah. hate weakness, right? Yeah, everything we're socialized towards is to be strong, to be powerful, to be capable, to be yeah. to have what it takes, whatever that is, and so to acknowledge an area of weakness uh, is really the beginning of the healing process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, God, I mean, it's it's also the beginning of our salvation. It's like, God, I need you. Yeah. I can't do this myself. Sure. And and we're trained so much where you're supposed to do everything by yourself. You're supposed to take care of this. Yeah. You're a failure if you can't. If yeah. you can't, right? And so that's part of the difficulty of getting the, of receiving the healing is how hard it is for us to be in that place of humility and letting go of that self-sufficiency, that way of, I've got to fix this. I've got to make this better. And, you know, you know my story, too. It was mm-hmm. 20 years where I was an athlete and a student and got married and had a family before I had any awareness of what was a huge gaping wound mm-hmm. in my life from my dad's unfaithfulness and my parents' divorce. And uh, just I thought I was doing fine. Mm-hmm. And it was actually having panic attack that opened my eyes and I had no idea the connection between the panic attack and this deep wound that I hadn't faced Yeah. until I went and started to pursue the healing process and it was such a surprise oh this panic that's playing out in my life right now has a 20 year history that I wasn't aware of I mean there was no panic then Yeah. Uh, but the panic was me trying to be in control of the pain that I was in yeah, and and then feeling so out of control and this pain just erupting in my heart, yeah. and uh, now I'm thankful. I, I hated it, you know. Nobody nobody likes to feel that out of control and that weak and that helpless. Uh, but it caused me to seek God in a way that I hadn't been up until that point. Yeah, I had a relationship with Him, but I wasn't bringing my heart to Him in the way that that required it. Also required that I get help from other people, which is another humility or humiliation depending on your perspective uh but i remember the first time as i was in my own healing process and it was a woman who was meeting with me and she was having me recount what it was like to leave my dad leave after he came first time in two years i saw him Mm. and what was it like when he left again uh and i said it was fine you know it was fine uh she says well tell me just tell me, describe it to me. A common answer for a man, it's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she said, uh, well, just at that moment when he's leaving, is there anything that you would have liked to have said to him as a 15-year-old? Oh, man. And I was like, no, there's nothing. Uh, and she says, well, just stay there for a minute and just put yourself in the situation. I, I don't know. I can't go back there. I don't know how to, you know, mm-hmm. all the defenses are there. And I'm not even aware they're defensive. I think it's just normal. Yeah. And uh, finally I say to her, 
Finally, I have the ability to see what I'm feeling and say, Dad, please don't leave. And I have one tear first time 20 years. Oh, my gosh. One tear. And she's crying. And it's like the first time in 20 years I was aware of having any pain over it. And to see it mirrored in front of me, and it was really for me the face of Mary. You know, it was like like the face of Mary at my cross. Yeah. And it's so powerful to be able to have somebody feel your pain that you can't feel yet because it stings too much and you don't know it. Uh, But that that was an opening to a place that ended up going to a really deep healing in my relationship with God, my relationship with my dad, my relationship with my wife, my children. I mean, it was critical. But I was i was oblivious yeah. that, that it was even there. That <laughs> That's powerful. I mean, I, I've read your books, but you shared some things there that you, I, I don't think you shared in the book. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness for that. And, and, and you know, the it must have been difficult. You know, you're, you're a counselor. You're helping people. And I'm teaching marriage and family. You know, it's just teaching psychology courses and I don't know this in my own heart yeah I remember you said that to me one time Angela and I had had uh had been going through a difficult time and I'm sure it was majority of my fault I mean honestly that's the truth and I I called you and I remember saying Bob because here I am with podcast and helping people and not in the degree you were with you know having being a counselor and all those things and a psychologist and all that but I, I remember saying to you on the phone, Bob, like, I, I don't know how to make things better. I thought things were better, and, you know, we going through this healing, but I, we continue to butt heads sometimes. And I said, but I'm so embarrassed to tell you that because I should – I tell people all the time they need to be a better husband and father. And and I remember you saying, I mean, sharing this, hopefully it doesn't bother you to share, but um, you said, John, how do you think it feels to be a uh, in, in counseling – for marriages for years and not know how to how to get you know, make your own better you know in a way and that stuck with me forever you know it i think about that often is is am i going to get caught up in the pride or am i going to surrender and just go you know what i don't have it all figured out yeah and i think it makes us better evangelists and better witnesses to the truth yeah. Uh, anytime that we're we're coming from a place of vulnerability and humility, because somebody goes, you know what? That's not somebody that came out of the womb with holy water and a Bible. <laughs> like <laughs> they they're hurting too. They, and, they've lived through this. They yeah. can relate to me. Yeah, I remember reading uh, Pope Paul the uh, Sixth encyclical on evangelization. He says the world doesn't need more teachers; it needs more teachers who are witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, up until that point, I was a teacher who wasn't witnessing what I was teaching. Mm. I mean, I was at some level, but not at the levels that we're talking about in the same. Sure. And it's still an ongoing process. And I think when we have the freedom, and that's one of the things that you do so well, is you go around and tell men, give men permission mm. to say, it's okay that we face our weakness. Yeah. It's okay that we're vulnerable. It's okay that we don't have it all together. And that just, you know, as you talk about on your testimony the first time you gave it, it just opened the door for everybody else to take off the masks, to take off the fig leaves, and to be able to say, hey, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, we're all in this together. Yeah, because I love you said fig leaves because you're, 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 you're 
turning his back towards the garden and Adam and Eve covering as soon as is yeah. sin and death and shame came into the world. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, and the thing is, is we always talk about freedom. Like men talk about freedom in the country. We talk about the freedoms we want, and we don't like when anybody oppresses anything we want and our choices. But yet we live in slavery all the time to these wounds and these places. Yeah. And in true freedom is when you're not bound by these things anymore. Yeah. You know, that's what I tell people about vulnerability. Like you say the word vulnerability and a lot of guys are like, mm, yeah. you know, no, I'm going to go get a sandwich. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of trying to go off in the other direction. But what I always try to tell people is while, you know, sharing my story, while I was in a physical prison cell, we're all in a cell of four walls, you know, yeah. a virtual cell of our own sins and mistakes and failures and uh, embarrassments and all those different things. And the devil comes to that door every time you try to open it. And those places where you're not healed, he sticks his finger in, right? Yeah. And they're going to find out about your porn problem. They're going to find out about how much you drink. They're going to find out about the way you talk to your wife. Yeah. And you kind of, you become your own jailer. Like yeah. you shut the door back and lock yourself back in. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, so yeah, because you just believe that like, well, I'm going to lose people. I'm going to lose things. People are going to find me disgusting or whatever it is. And what I found was none of that was true. Yeah. When I went and just poured it all out, as scary as it was, <laughs> um, that that when the devil showed back up to put his finger in those wounds, they were they were healed, a lot of them. Yeah. And basically I could look at him and say, like, you don't have any power over me in that yeah. way anymore. Yeah. And what I found was when I was able to take that step out of that cell was not pain and loss and, and all the torture and all those things. The torture is actually staying inside. It is. But when you walk out is 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 mercy and joy and hope and love and freedom. Yeah, well, that's a scary step. It <laughs> is. It is. And there's a lot of people that aren't near that. So I yeah. guess we should talk about that a few minutes. Like what if what if somebody is listening to this right now and they go, I know there's things I'm doing in my life that I don't want to do, but I don't know where to begin. Yeah. Like where would you kind of lead them to to start looking. I mean, I know there's all kind of wounds and different things they might be dealing with, but what would be just a general first step for somebody to... Well, I think the first thing is to to have an honest prayer hmm. of just acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, to the God of the universe. And we, we have distorted images of God. We think he's going to be condemning us or criticizing yeah. her or that Jesus is going to uh, berate us or something like that. But, you know, if we really get to know who he is... He's just pure love. And again, pray with the prodigal son story. Mm, yeah. right? Pray with that. And pray and do Lectio Divina with it. Uh, you know, my book, Do You Want to Be Healed? I I have a whole series of prayer experiences, mm-hmm. one of them being the prodigal son story, where we put ourselves in the story. Uh, the woman at the woman caught in adultery, you know, mm-hmm. and does no one condemn you, neither do I condemn you. And so to interact with Jesus in this, through the scriptures so that we're getting a pure vision of who he is. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we can take the step with people, you know? Obviously, confession mm-hmm. being another one, because now we're sharing with somebody else. We're getting, we're bringing something that's in the darkness out in the light, and that's the key. Mm-hmm. The enemy works in the darkness. He can't work in the light. Whenever you turn the light on, the, the cockroaches run. Oh, know, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but then, you know, Pray for friends that you can be honest with. Uh, I know you have this. I have this in my life. Ever since I started this journey, I've always had a group of friends. Mm-hmm. My brothers have been 
part of that group uh, mm-hmm. at different times. Still, to this day, I have a group with my family members. I have a group with uh, a couple other people, a larger group and a smaller group, but it's what you're setting up around the country. Just yeah. places where we could go, where we can be men and be real. And that was so transformative in my life. Um, first with Christ Renews His Parish and just group of men who were just honest and vulnerable and open and it was just like wow I've never experienced this and then I was able then to bring that to my family and then as a family we started to be able to share that way and it's just like so powerful to sit down with my dad and talk about why did you why did this happen yeah yeah I bet yeah and my brothers and us to ask questions and to talk about how it hurt us and and then you know, there's it just unfolds from there as we get more comfortable just sharing about the things that hurt us that we do to hurt other people, uh, and and it just extends out from there. And then for some, it's needing therapy uh, mm-hmm. or somebody to pray with you. Uh, you know, those are all helpful things. But the beginning of it is just getting comfortable in your own skin, being able to be real with somebody else that you can trust and that you can open up with. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, like I said, it's just it. It's hard when you've tasted it. It's it's hard to explain. Yeah, you know, because this this this. It's almost like you've been holding your breath for your whole life. Yeah, and then you just you let it out, and you're going. Ah. Yeah, and we don't realize that, like the tension that's always on our shoulders, the and in our neck, the the way we feel like we're just having to hold on to everything with everything we've got, and. You beautifully put it together, and this is this is honestly why your ministry is such a gift to me too, and some other people I know around the country is like we all. God seems to have us all talking about the same general thing, and it's in the way you do it or the way that I do it. Or, yeah. But at the center of it is is I think God's desire, and right now, I think that desire is for the church to be a field hospital. Yeah. Because there's so many people out there. We're we're going through the motions. We're going to church because mom and dad always did, or. You know, we want our kids to have some semblance of morality, and maybe if we carry them to mass, then they'll something will rub off. You know, I can't tell you how many guys come up to me and go, "I spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars on Catholic education, and my kids didn't turn out Catholic." And yeah. it's like it's not an easy bake oven. You have to. You have to <laughs> but but I think like it, it, it's it's that it's that work that needs to be done, and the Lord is calling us all to this central theme of healing because if if you don't. I don't think that we can ever fully fall in love with Jesus until we've allowed him to do what he wants to do in our life. Yeah, it, it is really the meaning of the gospel. Yeah. You know, the meaning of the word salvation. The word salvation is salus, which is healing, mm-hmm. right? Restoration. And until we engage at that level of our lives, there's there's really no salvation. There's no transformation. There's no healing that's taking place in our life. We're just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately for so many years we've had this disconnect between worship and the places that I live day to day and the places of my heart yeah uh, and you know as a therapist I used to see a lot of people at in my office and then I'd see them at mass and I knew how deeply they were suffering or what they were struggling with and yet nobody around knew those knew things those things yeah and it was just like this is just such a disconnect uh, and you know, it, even the Catechism talks about the sacraments are effective to the extent that our hearts are disposed and open to them. Mm-hmm. And how does that happen? It's by entering into this process and recognizing who Jesus is and why He came. Yeah, right. He His name means God's salvation, God's healing. Yeah, everything He does 
in the Gospels is healing, and everything as a church, all the sacraments, all the teaching of the church, everything else is meant for this healing in the broadest sense, mm-hmm. right? And it has to reach our hearts because it's our hearts where we live from. Yeah. And if we're just going through the motions with this is what I know, this is what I'm supposed to do, people can experience that our hearts aren't there. Yeah. And and it's an ongoing process, and we're, we're not done with it. Sure. When we go through a healing experience, we're, it's an ongoing lifelong process just like conversion right it healing is conversion. conversion the more you heal the more you're converted towards your heart towards the lord and yep. until you stand in front of him one day yep uh you may have to cook a little bit in purgatory but like, yeah yeah and what yeah. is what is that cooking but it's healing yeah, yeah it's sure. it's facing what we haven't been able to face uh, yeah. and in his love you know it's being in the presence of his love and bringing out what has kept us from loving and being loved. Yeah. Uh, it's not punishment. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I just, I think this is a place where we have to go. Because again, Jesus, when you look at it, and this is something that, that just blows my mind every time I read it, when Jesus says, I have called you friends. Yeah. You know, like the God of the universe that made everything that's around you and above you, and 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 he's looking squarely at you and saying, I just want the best for you. I want to heal you. I want you to come in a relationship with me. And I think that's really where our faith comes alive. Like the, the rituals, the rules, the regulations, all those things, they don't make sense unless there's love and there's relationship first. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what he's trying to do is bring us out of these places and to ransom. I mean, he's already paid the price, but to come to us continually and, and speak to us the way he did to the apostles. You know, what do you seek? What are you looking for? Come and see. Yeah, you know those relational terms, and I find there are two ways that that becomes real to us. One is as we enter into the gospels in prayer personally, and so we're personally relating to him. We're personally praying with that reality. Because for me, when I first saw that time, well, that was he was speaking to the disciples. He's not speaking to me, yeah. right? And so, how does it become? How do I know that it's true for me that he's called me to be his friend? Yeah. You know, the church teaches that, but how do I know it mm-hmm. in the depths of me? I know it as I enter into prayer with him and find that out yeah. through the Gospels. But secondly, I find it out through the body of Christ, right? As we be develop friendship with each other in Christ, and we know the difference between a friendship that's in the world and a friendship that's in Christ, mm-hmm. it's like Christ's friendship begins to permeate this friendship. Yeah. And that changes things. That yeah. now I can trust what it means to be a friend in Christ. And I think that's at the heart of what you mentioned, us going around the country in certain groups. That's what we're really trying to do is, one, yep. give men the permission, but then to say, uh, to allow them to come into an authentic relationship with Jesus and each other. Yeah. Because you, you described it beautifully. I always tell people that with vulnerability and, and entering into that healing process, it really has to happen with three people, You know, one with yourself. I knew when I was sitting on the couch at 2 in the morning, doing cocaine and drinking 20 beers it wasn't the best thing for my life uh it wasn't until the lord you know put me in a jail cell and sat me down um and that i admitted it finally to myself and then the second thing was in the confessional going and admitting it to him asking for that forgiveness and then finally walking into that room full of men and being vulnerable with them and that's that's exactly what we're trying to create throughout the country is a place for men to understand your faith is more than just a Sunday, yeah. an hour on Sunday. It, yeah. It's an invitation to a life-changing relationship. Yeah, and where the where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, is then as you come back humbly and vulnerably between, before your wife and mm-hmm. Shay, 
you know, I know I deserve for you to reject me, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm risking being real with you here mm-hmm. and sharing with you here and and to be overwhelmed with the forgiveness and the love if it comes. Not every man has the gift of that, yeah. but that's, and then to be able to feel the change that happens in marriage and feel the change that happens with the children, mm-hmm. that's where the, the grace really pours out. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. And I'm I'm glad I was one of the lucky ones that had had someone as wonderful as Angela to who loved the Lord and, and was an outward sign of his grace in yeah. my life. Yeah. And when I, I wanna say this to to the men. You even if you've done something and your wife has forgiven you, don't assume that that's all the healing that she needs. Mm. Right? That she needs to experience an ongoing trust and transformation, which I know you've been in the process of, mm-hmm. uh, because it's hard to restore trust when it's broken like that. Yeah, uh, I, I can think about situations where Margie and I hurt each other and broke each other's trust, and how hard it was to restore that trust, even when we forgave and even when we mm-hmm. went forward and loved each other. But there are deep places of the heart that say, well, I don't know if I can really open up to you here yeah. Right? And and so I just say for men, it's the thing as a therapist that I saw over and over and over again, uh, that when the wife says, I forgive you, the man thinks, well, it's done. Yeah. Right? It's not done. <laughs> it's just begun. Yeah. And, it, it's and a the, lot healing, the healing has to continue to go yeah. and develop. It's a lot easier to say, I forgive you, or, or it's okay, than it is to actually allow it to be okay. Yeah. And it's not often, you can forgive by the will, but it's the heart that has to trust again. And you can't fake that. Yeah. That's what I tell a lot of men, because obviously with addiction, there's a lot of addicted people in the world, and they come up, wives and husbands, you know, uh, either the one that has done the hurting or been the one that's hurt, and they say, well, especially the one that's been addicted, well, you know, I've done this and I've done this. When's she going to get over it? And, And I always tell them, look, it took you a long time. To, to convince her of, of who you were and, and, and a lot of years of hurt. And for you to just simply think that, you know, saying I'm sorry is if you accidentally knocked over a glass of water on the table right, right. is going to fix everything is, is, is not right. Like now you're actually getting to experience what it was like for her, you know, uh, in that way because yep. forgiveness isn't going to come that easy. And, and for me, I mean, there, God really did me a favor in this regard. I remember – you know, Father Martel came in my life, and I started going to daily mass and confession and all these things. And I kept looking at Angela like, "Don't you see I'm different?" <laughs> yeah. And I was sitting, in the, and it wasn't to prove to her I was different. No. I literally was changing. But yeah, like I would say things, and then she would just still be short, or she would, and and I I would get upset, and I'd say, "Well, I, I'm praying every night. I, our kids are seeing us pray. I'm leading us to mass. I've read forty Catholic books. I'm reading scripture in in the floor every single night." Like. What else do you want me to do? Yeah. And eventually I went to the Lord and I was, you know, I was lamenting. I was complaining, like, Lord, when is this going to be better? And he eventually just said, John, like, you're not going to be able to fix that by by doing this or this or that. I'm going to have to to heal her. And you're just going to have to continue to focus on being the person I want you to be. Yeah. And eventually I'm going to be the gap. That, that I'm going to be the thing that bridges that gap. Yeah. 
And when I was able to let go, and it seemed cold-hearted at my part. I was like, no, no I need to. No. But when I just said, whatever you want, Angela was, was called to um, Crisio uh-huh. uh, uh, not long after that. And it was actually the weekend before I was going to speak for the very first time wow. at the church where you'll be speaking. Right. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I was, in the, I was in the kitchen in our parish, breading fish, like because it was during Lent, for the fish fry. And uh, I don't want any Christina people to get mad at Angela because you're not supposed to use your phone. But she <laughs> called me on Friday night, and I was in the middle of batter all over my hands. I, I'm thinking, why is she calling? And, and I'll never forget, she said, I love you. I don't have time to tell you. I'm not supposed to be on my phone, but I can't wait to see you Sunday. Wow. And in that moment, Deacon Jeff Drzymski, uh, a friend of mine who helped me do all this, um, had given a grace talk. Uh-huh. And uh, Angela had sort of looked at why am I being punished and in that conversation, Jeff talked about sanctifying grace and suffering, and and she started to see in that moment that, you know, that it was through the suffering and the struggle that now eventually we come to the place that we'd wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful because yeah. you can't make that happen, right? Right? It's grace that makes that happen. Yeah, it's, and it's, again, it's the freedom. Like, yeah. we think freedom comes in willing everything. Yeah, but it's in letting go. It's of in letting go. It's in, the it's in the surrender of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is so antithetical to the, you know, the we got to do everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's beautiful. It's, um, you know, if you think about and and be devoted in the second part, I talk about healing in marriage, and uh, there's a whole chapter on forgiveness, and there's a chapter on reconciliation, and forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things, mm-hmm. right? Forgiveness opens the door to reconciliation, but reconciliation requires maturity and transformation and the character development of both people mm-hmm. right and that takes a while and so trust takes a while yeah it's like i gotta see you know and our wives know us better name oh yeah right <laughs> they, they they can see through the veneers yeah. right yeah the uh, massage, yeah and um when they see the character change then they can start to trust yeah. But you can't rush that, you know. Mm-hmm. You were doing all those things, and they were building character. But there's a whole process for all of us. There's a whole process that goes on for years where we mature in those ways and learn to love in those ways that, that our wives then can relax and say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the man I married. This is the man that I fell in love with. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the part that makes life worth living, right, is yeah. the difficulties are hard, but... But the learning experiences of looking back, I love now, you know, and I think we should say this, like no marriage is ever going to be perfect. No matter how yeah. far you're healed, there's always going to be yeah. things, you know, it's like barbed wire rubbing up against each other and some some certain things, you know, that because you're constantly discovering places of woundedness and healing, from whether the two did it to one another or it's something that was done yeah. in another place. Yeah. Um, but the joy that comes from being able to go, you know what, I don't have to, I don't have to react this way. Yep. I don't have to behave this way. Yep. Like that's the true freedom. Yep. When you go, and it's really what temptation is. Yeah. Right? We look at a lot of men look at temptation like, well, I, I, you know, I saw this woman in yoga pants, so I might as well go on and you know whatever I was going to do. No, that is an invitation. The moment at that point of, of temptation to choose the good instead of the other, and and for me, some of the greatest moments from this healing is going. Okay, like I know how I'm feeling right now. I know that I want to hit the roof, <laughs> but like I have an option in how I behave. Yeah, like I have a choice in how, and I can either choose to 
choose the selfish path and the one that makes me feel better for a, a, a half a second right. until it comes out of my mouth and then I'm going to spend the rest of however you know uh, many days or, or months it takes to try to repair this. But to have that freedom to go, you know what? I, the, you're not in control. I am like not meaning her, but the Come. devil and, and yeah. the yeah. the the uh, principalities, if you will, that Paul talks about. But to simply go like, I, I don't have to behave that way anymore. Yeah, and it's that healing that allows your heart to be free to choose that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what Saint Paul was, you yeah. know, looking at yeah. to circle back to the beginning. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, that's that's Romans seven, and he ends up in Romans eight saying. Now there's no condemnation. Yeah. Right? And goes on and talks about God's love being the healing agent in that. Yeah. So he didn't stop there. Sure. Uh, but he acknowledges it, and it's all of our condition. Yeah. And it, it's uh, I, it, it's really helped me, and this is what I tell men too, don't look at your falls as be-all, end-alls. I'm going back, you know, 10 years worth of everything's right. out there. It's an opportunity to learn and to get up and, and to be different and choose differently the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big Florida State fan. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> we have reason to celebrate again. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's one of the things that I love about the way they coach. And, you know, as athletes, we were coached in this way too, which is, don't focus on the last play, whether it was a success or a failure. Focus on this play, this time, yeah, and get this right because you can't repair that one sure. until you repair it now. Yeah, And the same thing in every relationship. So I can't repair this until I can repair it here now on the next one. Yeah, And then in a relationship, I also have to then go back to address what was wrong here. Sure. But not hold on to it not hate myself for it or you know yeah. feel sorry for myself or whatever that might and be. that's where the the devil tries to live in that he always, he's always yeah. getting you to to stay in the past or to look towards the future with anxiety instead of being yep. in that present moment yeah yep. yeah yeah well Bob, i know i know you've got a busy day and a lot of stuff going on i want to make sure that you get back for rest and all that but you're such a gift and i know this episode is going to help a, a lot Thank of people you. and and uh, I just, folks, if you if this is your first experience of Bob ever, then consider yourself uh, lucky to have this moment with him today. I, I do. Uh, but if you're more interested in this, if, if this has stirred anything in your heart, uh, Bob has tons of books. Uh, everything can be found on the JP2HealingCenter.org. Uh, is it .org or .com? .org. .org. So JP2HealingCenter.org. Uh, they have a store there. You can find all their events there. Bob, is there anything you want to add to where they can find you or go deeper into your teaching and training? Oh, that's good. Uh, and uh, just to say, we have a men's retreat next July in Michigan yeah. that John will be leading with Paul George and excited about that. Yeah, I am too. I, I uh, still pinching myself over the opportunity. But, uh, yeah, please come to that. Uh, as always, men, these are – Bob's teaching in his heart has worked its way into what we're doing. Um, I think the groups that we're starting on the country are 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 having the impact they're having because we're simply standing before men and saying there's a different way. And and I think so many men are collectively holding their breath and they're waiting for the day they can release it, as we talked about. So if you're interested in starting a group. Um, where you could find a place to be real, to be authentic, to find vulnerability, and to start the pathway to healing, then we'd love to be able to help you do that. You can go to justagownthepew.com, and anywhere on the page, there's buttons to 
to click and to, to find a way to get in touch with us so we can look at coming and helping you. Um, and rest assured that I will always be recommending Bob's books and all his wonderful work to help you in that process too. So again, Bob, thank you for your friendship, um, you, for your love and for your, for your guidance and support. And thank you for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks. All right. God bless. God bless. Thank yeah. you.